there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And I'm also here with my friend Zach. <laughs> oh wow, my words. Who, is, who has <gasps> muted himself. I'm just keeping him on his toes. Oh, I can't believe it. I was scared to ruin that wonderful intro of yours. So I thought, quick, mute yourself so you do something silly. No, this stays. And we're that the road perfect. to Tarvalin. And I'm keeping everything as is. And today, <laughs> we're talking about Kyrian. It is our first 101 that we have done in a very, very long time, and I'm really happy about it. Me too. Me too. I'm just Zach. really happy to be here with you. It's wonderful yeah. to, to come back. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, and yeah, to just participate in this is just an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much for inviting me again. Thanks yeah. for joining us. It's always Indeed. a pleasure. Agreed. We are going to cover Kyrian, the nation of Kyrian today. Starting out with some history and lore, nothing spoilery. And then yeah. we'll have a little break halfway through. And then we're going to hit you with all the spoilery discussion topic stuff. So this will be a fun one. Man. I mean, seriously, like you said, you've been wanting to do this one for a while, and it's it's a fascinating nation. And for me, like I hadn't really dug into the history of Kyrian up until this point, so I really didn't know its its origin stories, if you will. And apparently, this was a nation called Tova that developed after the Ten Nations fell apart post the Trolloc Wars, I believe. And it was next to the kingdom that Arthur Hawkwing was prince and then king of. And when he went through the consolidation, he pulled Tova and a few other little nations in with that and called it the Imperial Province of Kyrian. Which sounds really pompous. <laughs> At one point, I want to say it was just within a matter of years after Hawkwing had died, the nation started kind of falling apart that he had tried to pull together. And there was an attempted reconciliation that went down in a very Desdemar fashion, if you will, because they were all invited to a ball, all the Toven descendants, and at sounds a, like a sounds like a masquerade party or something. Red wedding is what it makes me think of. Is everybody come here? We're having a big celebration. We're creating allies. Everything's gonna be great, and then every descendant of Tovan nobility that was there is slain. So Kyrian remains Kyrian and Desdemar apparently started as part of Tova and has kind of 
remain a Kyrian. I don't want to say tradition. That makes it sound like quaint and sweet. <laughs> um, tactic, tactic. Mm. That's that's what I would I would say it. But I thought that was really interesting because like these Tovins, they had counselors. They didn't have a monarchy the way that we think about it. And I wonder if that's kind of what brought about it being the game of houses, like something where you use subterfuge to get what you want because you have to maintain a specific balance of power. That's the history that I found out about, like the very early history of how it became a nation. So if we move forward a little bit in time and we take a look at Kyrian's relationship with the Aiel, it's very important to their backstory. During the breaking of the world, there were wandering Aiel and they were given water by a people. So over a thousand years later, the Aiel learned that these descendants of those who gave them water now reside in the nation known as Kyrian. So they offer peace to this nation and in 566 NE, the Aiel grant the Kyrian and merchants this very special right to travel from the Jengai Pass through the Aiel Waste, so long as they carry a special banner, which is the banner of this trefoil leaf that comes from this Avendasora tree. Carrying this banner, they're able to travel the Jengai Pass and trade. And this leads to them getting to Shara and being able to trade for silk. And this then becomes known as the Silk Path. So the kingdom of Kyrian grows really rich and fat and wealthy and great all because of this trade route. And then there's also kind of a special situation with this Avendasora tree. So because they're able to trade and do the things that they do, there's this kind of long, I don't want to say long lasting, but it's kind of longer lasting in the scheme of things, era of peace between the Aiel and the Kyrianen. And as a symbol of peace, they give them the last existing Chora tree from the Age of Legends. And this is a cutting of it, I believe. A sapling. A sapling, not a cutting. Yeah, somewhere I read one of two existing saplings. So is it that one of them is hidden away somewhere else, which we can't talk about? Um, not yet. Um, but one of them is given here. Is, is, that, is that something that you've come across as well? The only two... I mean the last existing chora tree. So there was only one, like mother plant mm. but i don't know like how many offsprings okay. <laughs> are out there running loose in the world <laughs> Fair yeah. i'm getting a very like <laughs> runaway teenager vibe yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't make me stay mom <laughs> right leather jackets pack smokes that's what that's yeah. what i'm thinking Mm, I'm getting oh. a feeling of the ants with, with runaway trees. Um, mm -hmm. but, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if that would work here, but uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Either way, it's an incredibly rare entity. You know, like there are only so many of these left that are known in the Westlands. 
and Kyrian has been given one as a sign of, you know, trust and well-being and they are protectors of it. That's how the Aiel see it. it is, it's sacred. And I, I think what a beautiful gesture of peace to give such a, a rare and unique gift. And would it be fair to say that this tree then continues to grow in Kyrene until our story, where our sort of characters join us, um, over a period of about 440, 450 years? Is, is that an accurate assessment? of the period of time it's taken to grow? I think that sounds right. I'm pretty sure I wrote down dates. So from 566 NE is when they give them rights to trade. Yep. And, and then, then the Aiel War starts in 376, or er, 976. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So about 400 years then. It's a pretty significant sized tree at that point would be my guess yeah and, and a significant relationship that would have developed over that period of time um sure. I, that's I, interesting to think of like what would have happened had the peace remained mm. yeah but do we have any um idea for example that the the, the kyrenian had obviously preferential treatment as a result of the relationship they had with the aiel um, but what about the people of other nations? How were their relationships with the Aid at this point? Because I, I didn't see any, any references Well, I'm assuming if no one is able to pass through their lands to trade, it wasn't great. Mm. Like, if you're cutting yourself off from the world, how much of a relationship do you have with them, really? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a fair question, though. It's, it is interesting that we're only given this one friendship, I guess, where... Yeah, the only other relationship that I can think of would be the Borderlanders who seem to have a distinct level of respect for the Aiel and vice versa. But they're not holding hands or anything. But they're not, like, <laughs> they're not being buddies. Like, it's, it's more of a, I see you. You're if you're really walking... good at what you do. Yeah. Two Let's people walking just, down the street, yeah. nodding to each other and keep you walking. You stay there, yeah. I'll stay here. <laughs> End of story. Yeah. Mm. That's that's the only other like relation relationship, non-relationship that I can think of. So before we move on from Avendasora and all that, was there anything else as far as trees go? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing about the chore trees that I think is so interesting is they're supposed to exude this sense of calm relaxation to them, like when you're when you're hanging out underneath them. And that sounds delightful and it makes what happens later even more bewildering to me. That's it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And the other Maybe elements with Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and the other <laughs> elements which, uh, for example, resemble different mythologies will bring in later, I guess, because they don't have anything to do with the real history of Kyrene here, do they? Well, if it's not a spoiler. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say that the, to sort of continue Tracy's line, this, it, it's very much Avendazora has a relationship with the tree of life concept, isn't it? So therefore, it mm -hmm. is uh, the sort of main source from which all life springs. And so... 
uh, the relationship, therefore, between the tree and the humans who sort of celebrate its existence should be quite intimate uh, to further emphasize you know, the, um, yeah, the, the power of the event that then follows. What I want to say is a spoiler. <laughs> so now that we've like talked for a while on how cool these trees are, uh, in 976 NE, so third age, and this is what we've estimated about 400 years later, King Laman Domadred, he totally fucks up and chooses to cut. Okay, I always have a hard time. Avendoroldea to make a throne unlike any other for himself. And this is what blows my mind. He wanted to have a throne that was unlike anyone else's, but he already had a tree unlike anyone else's. <laughs> so what's the now point? Now that I think about it, Casey, <laughs> you're making a lot of sense. Like this is, I mean, maybe if you just, ever... Maybe he just wanted everyone to chill out in his presence so he could make better deals. But does like, it still continue to work that way? And couldn't out? he have just invited them to a beautiful Sit picnic under, under the tree? Yeah, right? <laughs> I brought finger sandwiches you know what? and a chore tree. <laughs> I'm going back to the tree. I'm sorry. Okay, do but it. Please. Um, it's called a Bodhi tree, and it's what Buddha sat under for enlightenment. Yeah. And I think that it might have been something that Robert Jordan knew about, maybe thought about. Because cuttings of this tree are all over the world and certain nations have it. And it really kind of like mimics this story. Mm. But is it maybe like, is there a connection between like enlightenment and this calming effect? Like, is it a meditation tree? Quite possible. Which just makes it like even more mind boggling that they fought a war over it. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think, I think the Ayul were right to do it. I mean, maybe they just could have. The the thing is, okay, this is fine because we're talking about the Ayul war. The Ayul are eco warriors. <laughs> you will not cut down that tree. Um, I think it's more the fact that they have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And they had given this tree to be protected, to be taken care of. It's rare. Like, you can't just make another. You can't just plant a seed and have another chore tree. There's no going back once this has been cut down. And the Aiel were like, well, no big deal. We'll just send over four clans and be like, hey, Laman, come out. We want your head. (laughs) And he was like, no, I'm the king. Everyone fight for me. And so they did. And then the Aiel won because they're Aiel. And they sacked Kyrian. And they burned and they looted, but only within the codes that they lived by. What is it, 5%? A fifth? A fifth, yeah. Is that right? And they also didn't touch the royal library because they're not savages. Well done, guys. But King Laman runs off from Kyrian with like as many troops as he can get with him and he goes to the white tower and 
they pull together as many nations that are kind of willing to stand up to this Threat. invading force of the <laughs> They just, like, it's a funny, because when you look at it from the Aiel point of view, they were like, no, 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 this was just, like, a search and destroy for one person mission. Had yeah. we really wanted to, like, invade, we would have, like, sent at least, I don't know, one more clan. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's this gathering force that meets at the shining walls of Tarvalon. And originally, Lord Algomar has been chosen as, like, the captain of these forces. And King Lamin has, like, this hissy fit and is like, well, they're chasing me. I should get to defend myself. And so in order for everybody to, like, get along, they were like, okay, so I guess we'll just all take turns being captain then. And I'm sorry, but this just feels like a big problem. What? So you have a united forces of badasses descending upon you. You have... A broken set of dimwits not being able to get it together to fight this. Inevitably, the Aiel come through. They find Laman. They take him out. Peace out. They leave. The Westlands are like, we've won a great victory against the Aiel. And the Aiel are like, no, we just got the head of the guy we needed. Thanks. It wasn't a war, guys. It wasn't, wasn't a, war. a war. Yeah. Like, the they Aiel, do not. not war. Right. <laughs> They're like, I don't, I don't know what you guys thought that was, but that was just like fun. <laughs> this particular moment in the series is really pivotal, and it took me so long to understand it. But like right here, this action by King Laman, this action by the Aiel, just remember that it happened, how it happened, keep it there because it's gonna come up later in a lot of ways. Oh, those tree killers got what they deserved, didn't they? That's true. That's true. I really do like the disdain that just exudes from the Aiel anytime they're around the Korean. <laughs> they, like, but, just refuse to acknowledge each other like they're not there somehow. But they don't so consider funny. it uh, as in... Because the Aiel, they, they do... They do have this element of showing off among themselves with people who they respect. But when it comes to uh, the wetlanders uh, or, or whatever other uh, name that they give to disparage these people, it's not showing off at all. It's basically a question of, yeah, yeah I expect my child to best you and four of your men. I don't know why you are even thinking about it as a challenge. So um, I, I think and the not perspective even... difference is big, yeah. Mm -hmm. And not even them to best them, but they did something that a child that an ideal child would know better to do. That's like, true too. It's a it's a question of I guess to them it's probably honor, but it's also like common sense. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, they probably just considered Laman Damadred like a big dummy it was you know it's like what are we gonna do with this guy well like we have to do something and mm -hmm. like tracy said it's just kind of like a couple people showing up like hey we're here for the guy and everyone blowing it out of proportion like it it was the most fearsome war that ever happened <laughs> and i just picture like a couple of aiel guys like cleaning their spears <laughs> like, right you know, waiting being like, like meh 
Lawman, come out. <laughs> this is getting tedious. We're just here for you, man. Just you. This could have been over ages ago. Thanks for yeah. the loot. Thanks but, for the loot. But couldn't the Ayo have done like uh, one of those sort of Navy SEAL or SAS style sort of you know, go in under cover of darkness and just kidnap Laman and run off? As in they, because if you don't, if an Ayo doesn't want to be seen, an Ayo isn't seen. I mean, how many times is that? expressed in the story because sometimes Lan asks someone did you see the Ail and they say yes and they're like oh then he wanted you to be seen or she sorry is it possible that they expected wrongly for Laman to feel like the mm. honor of the situation and just kind of come out and deal with it like maybe they were giving him a chance I don't know hmm I'm going to say yes, that is possible. Mm. Because under their mm -hmm. laws of GA Tor, you take responsibility for your right. actions, don't mm -hmm. you? That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. So again, just another culture clash. Mm. Mm -hmm. Should we move forward a little bit? Yeah, always. Rulers and nobility? Ooh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if we go to... To now, the third age, the current ruler is King Galdrian Riotin. And he wasn't as lavish as some of the previous rulers, but he had this goal of rebuilding the famous Kyrianan topless towers. So he hires Ogier Masons to do this work, and then he stops paying them because Kyrian is in debt at this point. Mm -hmm. So... The Ogier stop work, they kind of pack up their things and leave, and he switches focus from building these towers to excavating a giant statue that is buried in the north of Kyrian. You will come across this thing in the Great Hunt. Be on the lookout for it, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to actually mention... I was trying to look for, like, rulers of note, but, I mean, it's a made-up world, so there are only so many. And I just found one that I liked instead, and it's Carowin Domadred, and she is actually Moraine's great-grandmother. Oh. I know. This is not the kind of great grandmother you want, though. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she was ruler for 50 years, and Moraine has mentioned that no one remains in power in Kyrian without being comfortable with assassinations and plotting. And apparently this woman was bad enough that her name is still used to scare children in Kyrian. So... Names to live up to. I just thought she might be kind of fun Maureen, to mention. Like had a little Carowin in her. Oh, definitely. She's yeah. a Domadred. I don't know if she could have escaped it really. Like no wonder she's like so cool and calculated. It's just in her veins. She was able to also make at least a little bit of a flip. Hmm. But Kyrene is also different. I, I noticed in some of the, the notes that um, it doesn't have uh, a royal family with hereditary sort of leadership or kingship or queenship like uh, Kemlin does. Um, 
uh, here it's basically when there is uh, a turnover of power or when a monarch dies it's basically you do what you can by political influence or the game of houses as it were uh, to reach that well. stage and if but if you have two sorts two groups where they are equally powerful then you have a battle and it becomes quite uh, bloody from what i read to say because they say there's a lot of the history of Kyrene is lost so we don't actually read about any of the other um uh, changes to uh, the kings because they've lost all of that history so that's why when you were talking about tova tracy I, I found that a bit surprising. So we know about all that stuff all those years ago, but you know, their own sort of more recent history is lost. So that make, kind of makes you wonder, why is it lost? Has somebody got rid of it? Was there something to hide? Is this a, another example of the game of houses? It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Or that things were so important under Arthur Hawkwing that he had his own scribes taking his history in so if it was attached to him it was somehow yeah. more important that's actually a really good point because like if you would be a scribe during that point you would write down and hawkwing defeated the people of tova who were known for blah 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 like i mean that's very very much how military history gets written good point speaking to the distrust of Kyrianans though like among the houses because I think it is a combination of hereditary right to rule and how long can you actually keep your ass on the throne so even when you become the ruler of Kyrian your army still comes from your own house, house. your own yeah yeah, and it's the same for every single noble. They all have their own, like, basically. Guard. Exactly. So there's no Queen's Guard, like there is an Andor, no Wien Guards, like there is Mayin. There's nothing there to protect the crown or the throne. It's your own. And I mean, that just... Sounds messy. It does, right? <laughs> it just sounds like like so little trust so little faith in the ability for things to stay stable like Kyrian just sounds like it's always on the verge of being a bit of a mess and then the last thing like they offer something called the king's gift or the queen's gift depending on who's the monarch at the time and it's of course supposed to be something that's done as like a a benefit to the poor like Oh, the the people, they need These food, poor they need whatever. Yeah. yeah, and instead it's usually just used to sway public opinion or keep people happy and quiet. Uh, I think that's Galdrian. It's very, very similar to what, like, how the beer festival started here in right. Germany. Yeah, and, and I mean, Roman emperors fill up an arena everyone's happy you know so it's it's how do you how do you keep public opinion happy if you've got it throw money at it and Kyrian has plenty of plenty of money plenty mm. of rent money so those are the things that i thought were interesting regarding like the the rulers and then the nobility being kind of like just so contentious mm. so 
like a tinderbox. Hmm. Oh, you've got... Yes, I, Zach. I, I saw Amber doing this earlier, and I thought I might as well try. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I probably would have noticed you sooner had I not been trying to dig something out of my eyeball. I'm no, really I, sorry. No, that's cool. I just tried this because I thought this was established protocol, so therefore I, I thought I'd raise the thing. Up, but, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, going back to your point um, earlier about the, the nobles having their own troops, do you think this also creates the possibility of newcomers not being able to join in? Because, I mean, let's face it, to have mm. enough troops to rule Kyrene takes a lot of money. And there aren't enough that have that kind of you know, funding. So I guess we're only limiting the options to maybe two houses, perhaps three, but no more than that. Yeah, you would need a lot of money and a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a really good point. Well, and I think it's what allows for the various levels of nobility. You know, like a minor house is only going to be able to provide so much, whereas like one of the larger houses, which has much more money, is going to have a much larger force. So maybe Chiron is run by money more than the king. Ah. Uh, People? I want to talk about people. I think that's the next thing that we've got on our list. The social hierarchy. Did you want to take this, Tracy? Or I mean, I can. Unless, Go for Zach, it. you have anything you want to say? Social hierarchy of Kyrian? I can take it away. It's totally fine. Yeah, please do so. Sure. I think the Kyrian are really f frequently referred to as like being like super straight-laced. And I feel like that applies to their their social establishment as well because it definitely seems as though everybody is really willing to be like not just strict about it paying attention to like every minute detail so like if you are a farmer you are still above a day laborer like it goes down like kind of that far like it's not just in the noble houses that people are like comparing slashes on their clothing it's through the entire system so commoners agree that they should all be commoners and nobles apparently all agree that they should be nobles i'm always intrigued when i when i see something like that that has like has it so strictly put in place like that well if we even look at the dress code They've got this so worked out to minute details that even the serving people, like their dress code symbolizes mm -hmm. their rank. So if you look at the upper class, the majority of them all wear dark clothes and it's in contrast to their pale skin and they're short of stature and all of their clothing and colors and style is just coming from this need of like rigid form and keeping everything like down to the smallest detail like how they see it should be the upper class wear these slashes of color to show rank and this would be kind of like if you cut a fabric and then you could see color behind it that's what they're kind of calling these slashes of colors so the high-ranking houses wear slashes of colors from their collar to their hem which just sounds wild to look at but then i'm thinking back to new spring when morena's dress 
shopping Mm -hmm. and she buys a dress with far fewer slashes than her house rank Mm -hmm. should be and like the fact that they give us this little line in the book it makes me smile because I didn't realize like how I guess I had questioned myself like how many should she have yeah and she's from the house Damadred so probably collar to him I'm guessing like all the way down (laughs) From neck to shoes. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine though? <laughs> like... I can. I can. And I can see Moraine being like, mm mm. That's too much. It's too so, much. But what does that make Kyrene a warm place? Because I, I'm envisaging something like the Indian sari, where there are certain elements which are quite open. Mm. Um, not slashed necessarily, but the openness of the clothing. and But that's possible because in India it's very warm. So would, is, is the clothing suggestive of their climate as well? Or do we not have any... Because I've never considered even Kyrene's climate. I'm not aware of what their climate is. For me, it always jumps to like... I'm thinking of like... 1500s Renaissance, like the way that they would have multiple layers and they would like kind of just pull the fabric out and you'd be wearing like something on top of it, but you would also be wearing something underneath it. And then you just kind of like... I mean, so often... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, they, they have like, in the books at least, obviously Amazon did it a little bit differently for the TV show with Moraine's dress and her attire. But within the books, they have these very, like, large hooped dresses where... They make me think of mantuas from the 18th century. Because this is, say, like, like very... 18th century, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where it's, like, that big, wide... <laughs> yeah, think, like, old-school Disney, um, Cinderella's evil step-sisters, these wild, like, poofed dresses that are yeah. very... Marie Antoinette, actually, (laughs) her wardrobe would be a really good one for that. With this sort of circular frame from within that, that, yeah. Yes. Yes. So they also like dark lace. So they've always got some like lace hanging out of their collars and their neckline, but dark, always dark. And they always have high necklines too for like the ladies, right? Like they're not one of the. They wouldn't do low cut, no. No. (laughs) Unless, I guess, unless maybe you're a commoner. But for the upper class, no. So even the servants have the strict dress code, basically no color, just only a little bit, like at your cuffs and collars. And then these colors will show which house you work Mm. for. And then the higher ranking the servant, the more color they're allowed to show. So very rigid. The military officers also wear slashes, and they have the most ridiculous hairstyle in the world. I was going to be time. so sad if we didn't talk about those damn hairstyles. Oh, yeah, I my almost God, left why? this out. <laughs> but it's like long hair and back with a shaved forehead. So, like, they shave their foreheads. And then on top of that, they powder their foreheads with, like, a white talc, which... <laughs> It's just ridiculous. I kind of like, I kind of want the TV show just to do it to be ridiculous, but it would look so terrible. I just want to laugh. I don't want to see it for real on the TV show. I think people would just be like, no. What? No. They have to do something, though. 
Wasn't this what the courtiers did, or the, the people of the, the royal courts with their wigs? Didn't they used to put this uh, white powder in it to, or something Powdered like wigs? Yeah, mm-hmm. something like this. Is that like a throwback to this particular custom? Probably. Perhaps. Random. Yeah. And to the makeup back then was like incredibly toxic, poisonous with like mercury and stuff in it. But like I that love. white face. Mm-hmm was very supposed to be beautiful, their standard of beauty. So anyways, back to the military officers, shaved forehead, powdered forehead. They've also got these very interesting bell-shaped helmets just to kind of like offset the wild hairstyle. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the look. It's a look. And that's all I've got. No. Yeah, I would I would stay out of it and be like, no, your military outfits are dumb. That's signing up to be in the military. So we've kind of touched on Desdemar just a little bit, and I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, Desdemar is the game of houses. This is the ability to use manipulation and subtlety and... I feel like there was another word that I had that kind of went along with that. Subtrif- um, subterfuge. Subterfuge. They do like to think that they're really tricky. They're always, like, reading more than what someone else might actually be saying. But, like, if you're Kyrie Ennin, you just are automatically, like, pulling apart everything everyone around you says. And looking for hidden meetings inside it because that's how the game of houses is played and when i was looking through the wheel of time companion under desdemar it says that it was developed by kyrian and nobles who were adapting it from Aes Sedai intrigue but then in the history section for kyrian it was saying that it was developed by the toven consulate and that it was just carried down through Kyrian and nobility. I don't know which one is true. Have at it. Choose which one sounds the best <laughs> to you. I'm sticking with the Toven history because I like it. But various nations play this. Like some think it's ridiculous and don't even bother. And other nations like hone it to a fine skill. And Kyrian pretty much sits up at the top of it being more a skill than other nations. It's considered, though, quite negatively, isn't it? I mean, you, you, if somebody is a bit of a schemer, they say, do you, do you think you're a Kyrenian? You're scheming like a Kyrenian. Um, it's almost like an insult, isn't it, when, uh, when expressed from other nations? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, Lan, when he meets Moraine, an Aes Sedai and a Kyrianan, like, mm-hmm. what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but I feel like the Kyrianans would probably pride themselves on it. So is it really offensive to them? I don't know. I mean, it's almost like a compliment to them, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even know how good I am. So yeah. think what you want, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean lands a borderlander and they don't mess around with it like they're just like they're too busy defending the world against the blight to mess around with the game of houses 
So for him, it's like just something that silly Southlanders do, and he doesn't want to get mixed up in it. But if you are from Kyrian, it's survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't change because someone thinks it's silly or a waste of time because if you're not better at it than your neighbor, they're going <laughs> to probably use uh, it against you. Maybe kill you. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a friendly game. It's not just friendly. a friendly game. So a friendly game in a friendly city. Can I talk about the city itself? Yes. Okay. So I think Kyrian has one of these interesting setups where I'm really looking forward to seeing it on the TV show. Mm-hmm. I really hope we get like, like we get this like wide shot of Tarvalin from above. Mm-hmm. Like I want this of Kyrian just because mm-hmm. it sounds cool. So what seems like direct opposition to the convoluted maneuvering of Deste Mar is the actual layout of the city and its mm-hmm. perfectly planned square grid pattern. So the streets all run arrow straight and all the buildings are stone and everything is laid out in precise squares inside a gray square city wall and the city is even set on curves and hills which kind of makes the square layout even more forced looking yeah yeah and it is said that the Kyrianans even tried to make nature bend to their will by setting the city up in this way and Tracy had written even the plants and flowers and trees are precisely pruned and strictly ordered into squares I didn't write this thing about plants and flowers. Oh, I didn't either. Oh, okay. Zach. Zach. You you used Tracy's color. That's why I thought it was you. (laughs) Sorry, it's so ingrained in my head. No, you're totally, totally, totally sorry. I I like pink. I like pink. Uh, But also, I I, 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 yeah, I didn't want to 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 steal credit for that. But uh, yeah, it it was an observation as well that I noticed. So yeah. So, one of the things that, okay, so in the TV show, we saw Shadar Lagoth, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the big, big wall around Shadar mm-hmm. Lagoth, right? Yeah. And now, the walls around Kyrian are said to have these topless towers that are 20 times higher than the walls themselves. Does this... it make, does it make, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like physics, like does that work? Yes, that's, that, that's where I was too. I was like, and they did this, how? how? Why? How did they do that? <laughs> that would be another one. Because I mean, really, how long would it take you to get to the top of it? Does it have any kind of, I mean, my guess can is you see? Can they're Kyrianin. <laughs> Can you see Andre reading this and just tisking like, no, 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 no. This doesn't work. <laughs> this this seems a bit far-fetched. I know they're the topless towers of Kyrian, but this just seems utterly absurd. But they were... Unless, like, I mean, it's... Okay, so does it say how high the wall is itself? Well, I would assume that it would have to be a defensive height. So even if well, it was they're like... short people, maybe they couldn't make it very tall. 
They aren't Lilliputians, Amber. <laughs> it's a five foot wall. <laughs> the invaders come that. in, they just peek yeah. over the top. That's why the Aiel didn't sneak in. They were like, this isn't, this, we have honor. This is, I mean, come on. They could have just stepped over the walls. Yeah. They're so tall. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's funny. No, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, so let's let's assume that the walls are 20 feet tall. So then that would be what? Oh, 20 Four, times 20. 400. 400. Yeah. So are these really 400 feet tall towers? I mean, that's only if they're 20 feet tall. Because I'm pretty sure those walls around Shadar Lagoth were way bigger than 20, 20 feet. So this is like my minimum safety requirement wall size. You know what I mean? Mm. Zach, do you know yeah. how high meters are in foot? Because I'm really three, bad at that. Yeah, 3.10 feet, feet or 3.3 feet, uh, like one meter, something like this. So it's just just um, just more than three feet is a meter. So I think that would probably calculate down to about 130 meters. It's probably about 400 feet at a guess. Okay, so I'm trying to see here. The tallest building in the world is about 800, 800 meters. So I just have to calculate this. So 800 meters would be... Roughly like two thousand six hundred two thousand six hundred feet. So what are what are we estimating the <laughs> the Camblin walls again? God, we're, I'm a nerd. Sorry guys, but No, it's okay. I'm liking this. <laughs> I had the same thing happen when I was looking through it. I was like, this just something doesn't this seems ridiculous. Let's see here. The Statue of Liberty is 305 feet. Eiffel Tower is 984. The tallest building in the world is the, what is it, like Khalifa Tower or something? I think so, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that one I just calculated to be at 2,600 feet. Hmm. But I mean, these, these Or 800 sense. meters. But these make sense because of lifts, uh, as in, you know, if you don't have a lift, right. can you imagine What's the working point? <laughs> Why would you What's work the on the top floor if you don't have a lift? So, right, yeah. yeah. And in, until this day, because Galdrian wasn't able to finish making the towers, there's scaffolding around them. So yeah. like, just hanging out, like scaffolding. I mean, you would just have to imagine that your workers got to a certain point and were like, you know, this is impossible. This seems high enough. Like topless can, enough for me. Yeah, we can do this now because we have cranes and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So the Royal Library. You know, I looked up what it might have looked like, and shockingly enough, it is a large stone square building. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Wow. I know, weird, right? It's the second largest library in the Westlands. I believe it said it had like tons of thousands of books in it. But I was wondering who gets access to it? Like, is it kept on 
the grounds of the Sun Sun Palace? Is it open to the public? For some reason, I feel like it would be more accessible than the one in the White Tower. Oh, definitely. Mm. <laughs> like, too many people are afraid of walking into the White Tower. Yeah, I get this feeling that, I mean, so many people are connected to the nobility who live within the city walls. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling those who live outside probably wouldn't really be uh, either interested in because they're so busy trying to live their lives. Um, or right. they would or they would have their own, you know, the, the travels of Jane Fairstrider and that would be about it and you don't need anything else, do you? Or, less, as you know, as you've said, of course, the, the gleemen are there anyway mm-hmm. to entertain That's them with true. the stories. So they don't need the books either. So Better than Audible. Yeah. <laughs> More lively. Indeed. Yeah. With music. Yeah. I, I love the idea of a big collection of books, obviously. When the IL came through, they let it be. So it's it's respected and it's stayed where it is. And I think that's kind of cool. That's all that I have for the library. That's a different Jordanism, isn't it? It's a... A Jordanism, I think. Yeah. Can you say that? Is that rude to say? In, in... No, yeah. I don't think so. As in, it just strikes mm-hmm. me that there are some things which come out which are very much uh, reflective of, of, of perhaps what his character may have been. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, a, a, an absolute book lover that he was, for him, it would have been, I suppose, sacrilege for anybody to, to damage these things. So therefore, yeah. could have been. Yeah. And no printing press at this time, right? Like the Westlands doesn't have a printing press that we're aware of. So anything that's been done is done by hand. Any copies done by hand. So the idea of ruining something that someone put so much work into, I would imagine that that's almost a universal given that books, when they are scarce, should be treated with with a certain level of care. Yeah, and if someone listening knows if there is a printing press in Randland, let us know. Yeah, I, w- I would be very curious. I don't know if I remember seeing anything about it. It'd be cool yeah. if they had one. Makes life better for everyone when there's a printing press. <laughs> but then there's also the Sun Palace. Um, it's also known as the Palace of the Rising Sun in Splendor, and I just think that's hilarious. It's the residence of the royal family of Kyrian, and it is centered exactly in the center of the city, which, again, to me, says I don't trust anyone, and I want to see people coming from any angle. So, very Kyrian, and also ugly sounding but it's the only building which has like a circular motif it's like uh, the palace if i judging by this map that we've got which is quite strange so maybe maybe it's not as boring as i'm envisioning that would be a nice surprise did you uh, come across a bit where they they said that the map in one of the books of kyrene is completely wrong don't even think about it um actually it was later redesigned did you did you come across oh any of those i didn't references? see that huh that was, that was just a crazy thing to read that would be the case but yeah interesting no i didn't i didn't hear it either i'll send you a link later if and if Thanks. i'm completely wrong please edit this out <laughs> <laughs> to the foregate to the foregate i love this because everywhere else in kyrian 
feels like on Titanic when they're all on first class. And then when you get to the foregate, it's like when Rose brings Jack down to the <laughs> lower levels of the ship and they're just like partying and drinking and gambling and hustling. Oh my God. And I yeah. love it. So the foregate is outside the main city of Kyrian and it's the secondary city and it's known as the foregate. So it's all cracked wooden buildings and zigzagged, muddy, messy streets. It's a place of color and horse racing and glee men and musicians and taverns. And it is supplied with a steady stream of fireworks from the Illuminator's chapter house. And I believe this is where... Oh, no, that's a spoiler. Um, but, oh, but Zach wanted to say something about the... Yeah, the, the festival feast. of the lights. Yeah, well, the feast of lights. I think um, Earth it's feast. Yeah, it's the only thing which is for me remarkable is that noble and commoner alike seem to partake in this particular feast, and um, it's particularly hedonistic. Um, and I think this is about as naughty as Robert Jordan allowed himself to go. So he, he didn't really. Well, I think. I don't know. No, 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 it's sweet. I don't disagree with you at all. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm intrigued to find out how or whether the show even gives us uh, an, an episode or a snippet of the Feast of Lights, because I can only imagine the level of debauchery that would take place. Uh, and um, they seem to be quite safe in the way so far that they have shown us relationships of an intimate nature. And I wonder if they're going to let themselves go for the Feast of Lights. I, I don't know. And too, don't they... Am I... Zach, do you remember? Do they, like, have just, like, half of their chest exposed for that one? Or is that a different festival? Do you remember? Do, knowing Robert Jordan is probably every festival to get some... <laughs> Yeah, get some boobies in the story, you know, um, folding arms beneath breasts, get those things out there. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's this is definitely one of those occasions where the people are just completely free to do whatever they want. And you can sense there's a sign. It's almost as though Robert Jordan, when he writes this scene, he, he's, he like relaxes. He's got permission from Harriet. Can I yeah. please, you know, and it's... You know. Well, it's a bit like The Purge, you know, like straight laced every single day of the year and then the Kyrianans just have that one day to like get all the repression out and it's probably cathartic for them but I bet it's a pain to clean up the next morning <laughs> <laughs> that's why they do it in the foregate yeah. <laughs> exactly that's exactly why I mean yeah. keep the mess to yep. the... the only thing about the foregate that I wanted to mention was that it goes from river to river as far as like Kyrian goes but it just made it feel much more expansive than what I had originally thought of it when like in my head I had seen Kyrian and the idea of having something built like that outside a city to me is probably much more unusual than it would potentially be for someone who is from Europe where that's how cities were built 
you had a city with a wall and then you had more places and then you built another wall and then you built out and then you built walls. So, I mean, maybe at some point the floor gate would have been walled, but the Kyrianans seem pretty happy keeping things like just to them. But just the size of it, the number of the people that live out there. Oh, and there are theaters there too. And that was something that I hadn't really thought about, like how heavily entertainment plays into this to the point where you have theaters. I love it. I love that. That was all I wanted to add about the floor gate. Do we have okay. anything more for like the non-spoiler section or? You, you had written something. You know what? I don't give a shit about the random bits. We can <laughs> just go on to the spoilers. Okay. I mean, unless you guys wanted to talk about how cheese is vital to the economy of Kyrian. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Or I didn't Vermont. think so. Or Vermont. <laughs> the vermont of the westlands that was clever vermont like you can't even go with like parma or something <laughs> oh i said <laughs> no i'm an american everything happens here actually it was it was mostly i've been watching the expanse that's why i thought vermont oh where he steals the cheese they have stinky yeah. cheese farts hello friends it's time for a new ad there's so much happening in the Wheel of Time world, and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. If you would like to help, rate us wherever you listen. This helps other people find the podcast. You can also join us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Help create the show by joining us on Patreon. We have four different tiers with perks ranging from shoutouts to bonus content to merch not found in our Threadless store. Speaking of the Threadless shop, it's absolutely bursting with beautiful Wheel of Time designs and various items to put them on. Need a Wolf Brother t-shirt? It's there. A first sister pin to send to your bestie? We've got them. How about a White Tower dropout sweatshirt? You know Amber made one. The point is, we love the Wheel of Time. You love the Wheel of Time. Go get some merch that shows it. You can find links for Patreon and our Threadless shop in our show notes. One last thing. You guys are the best. Your support means the world to us. Thank you for being the amazing people, humans, sentient creatures that you are and keeping us company on the road to Tarvalin. Yeah, um, spoilers. Who wants to jump in there? Zach? Tracy? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Uh, could, could you mind if I take my inspiration from you? Because I, I have... There, there's so many things that um, you guys made me sort of think about and refocus on, and, and I, I wouldn't know even where where to start. Um, with Wherever to... you want, doesn't even matter. What yeah. what feels what feels like you want to bite into? What feels juicy? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's so spoilery necessarily. Okay, I, I I go with the with the the game of houses, and and I go with the concept that it's more. It stems more from the Aes Sedai because the Aes Sedai, um, 3,000 years since the breaking, you know, they basically held this entire place together. During that time, and we're talking, and each Aes Sedai lives for how many years? I mean, one or two of them have lived for 600 years. Is that mm -hmm. Katsuwa? And how old is she? I mean, she must be close to five or 600, I think. 
Uh, it's kind of suggested, isn't it, that, that, that that's her age? I don't age. remember. So, so in that time, I mean, you can imagine how sort of twisted, you know, normal humans get when they reach the age of 65, 75 and 85. I mean, to reach the age of 600 years old and for Katzwein to observe the ineptitude and uh, just pure silliness of human beings over that period of time must have made it extremely sour. So I could imagine the, the, the game of houses was a means for the, for the Aesodai to also entertain themselves, um, you know, play a few tricks <laughs> and so on. I mean, because why not, you know? So I, well, I, I mean, yeah. as long as they get something out of it, I mean, as long as there's, if, if there's a goal to be had, whether, you know, whoever they're puppeting as a ruler or whatnot, I mean... Yeah, I think that they have that subtle way of probably making some rulers think that it was their idea when it was actually the Aes Sedai's. I mean, Tom does it right there at the beginning of Eye of the World. He brings up a topic that leads the conversation to the Aes Sedai, who can heal Tam, and they're like, well, why didn't I, why didn't you tell me just to, why didn't you just say your name? It's right there on the pages from the very beginning of the book, the whole series, and I like that. Mm. And two, like, huge inspiration for Robert Jordan, or for Robert Jordan, for George R.R. R. Martin. Like, mm -hmm. he basically, mm -hmm. like, took one small plot line of The Wheel of Time and was like, I'm writing a series about this. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, he ripped him off or anything. Like, it, he loved it. Like, he loved this plot line i'm sure so he was inspired cool. yeah but robert jordan also loved george r, r. martin so i i recall one of the one of the first books that i read from of the series i can't remember which one it is but in it there's there's an inscription where george r, r. martin compliments robert jordan's work and he says basically uh, yeah i love robert jordan um he gave me my first chance in you know, becoming the author that I became, more or less. So I believe that there was some point at which Robert Jordan really encouraged George R. R. Martin's work. So there must have been some kind of warm relationship between the two. Yeah, when Robert Jordan died, George R. R. Martin wrote, like, brilliant words to him on behalf of, like, you know, someone who's inspired him, I guess. But mm. it's quite sweet. Hmm. I don't know if it's a spoiler. I guess it must be. Um, and it's also well, we're in the spoiler section, so yeah, have at it. You don't yeah. have to worry about anything now. Okay, all right. Um, do we have any idea where Avienda gets the sword? Because because Rand asks her, "Where do you get it?" and she and she doesn't tell him, but somehow she or it alludes to how difficult it was for her to get a hold of it. Um, now we know that. Yeah, sorry. I think that's a big mystery. <laughs> yeah, like the way that I remembered it. And also, why did they take his sword? Ayul despise swords. So why was it his sword that they chose to take with them? You know, like I, I get taking a, a trophy, but this one just felt bizarre to me. Anyway, well, I think I remember Avienda saying something like she would have taken 
uh, like could have melted it down or whatever. Like precious metal is precious metal, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. But with their five percent rule, like anything that looks fancy probably just gets thrown in a sack. <laughs> and if it was something of the king's, then mm-hmm. maybe it makes it more maybe like perceived more valuable. That's true. But I feel I feel like when she was coming to give it to him and Rand asked, I think she said something like young young warriors choose to have it to have it and then realize it's a heavy piece of something that they're never going to really do anything with and so then it gets passed on to the next person who then passes it over to the next person like and Avienda paid a specific price to be able to to purchase it. I don't know how she got it was like close enough where she had access to it, but like that was that was how I always understood it. That it was just one of those like weird tumblings of luck. And I mean really it's only been what, twenty years mm. since Tiberian. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Also that. <laughs> Explain I mean, we don't, it all away. <laughs> we ha- we don't have centuries to bounce through for once and Tiberian. Yeah, but also <laughs> the fact that it's a power wrought sword. Does that mean you mm-hmm. can't melt it down? Because I I don't know exactly how powerful that it becomes then. Well, I don't think they're talking about melting down the sword so much as they were the handle, the and hilt like, or whatever. Yeah, like it was really abs- like stupidly decorated with like yeah. gemstones <laughs> and whatnot. And Rand was like, "How did anybody use this? Your hands would like." slip off the sword hilt the moment you had blood on them so <laughs> yeah even he's like uh thanks sword yeah but i don't like, remember him does he use it he takes the hilt off of it and has a new okay. one made yeah okay. yeah Make, because sense. he because he does recognize that it's a it's a power route sword and it's a heron mark blade and he's been looking for replacement since he lost his. So this is, it just kind of fell in his lap. Avienda doesn't really understand exactly why the blade would be special to him for that reason. But that's the only part about it that mm. to him is appealing. So then he at least turns it into something functional again. So that's nice. Yeah. It's probably Lamin's bedazzled, Lamin's bedazzled <laughs> sword. <laughs> Guys, guys, more rubies. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like, Zach, you had started going in a direction. I don't want to, like, deviate away from anything that you may have started. No, no. I, I feel that all of my deviations are just uh, sort of references to where Robert Jordan could perhaps have got the ideas from, some of the ideas from. Um, this is obviously completely guesswork, but I mean, when we're talking about the tree before um, of Endazora, it for me that when whenever I think of that, I think of um, Yggdrasil, uh, which is this mm-hmm. uh, the tree of life in in, in Viking mythology. Um, and what was also really interesting is at the bottom of that tree sit the three Norns, the three spinners, uh, and I associate that with. Taverin. So we've got the three Taverin, at least in the in the books, because of obviously in this in this TV show, is it four or five Taverin that they refer to? You get a Taverin, you get a Taverin, we're <laughs> all Taverin. Absolutely, that's true. Rafe is more that's generous true. than Robert Jordan, yeah. it seems. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but, There's also the, the argument that Nynaeve and Egwene were just that awesome. They didn't need to be Tavirin. <laughs> like, they got by on their smarts. So, I like that one. But Nynaeve being Tavirin makes sense, right? Because, I mean, some of the stuff that she actually achieves um, are perhaps... Okay, I don't want to say that they're not because of her fantastic character, because she does have an amazing character. Um, but she doesn't have to suffer the way that Egwene has. As in, Egwene earns everything that she does. Whereas Nynaeve, I, I sometimes feel as though what she's What did stumbles. Egwene earn? Well, what all she, did she earn? What are your... What are you... Well, I'm alluding to her position as uh, as Amelin, um, where she... she Black becomes, Aja. That was the Black Aja. Who put her to become the Amelin seat, I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. But she still suffered for it. Um, yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. She. I mean, I think what I like about Egwene isn't like her achievements so much as like her dedication. I want to say to like always going the extra step, always going the extra mile, always working harder than the last person. I feel like. But this is one of the things that almost like upsets me is almost all of her achievements. I feel like so many of them she's had help with. And I would have loved for her to get like that. This one thing that she did alone that was like hers and hers, her own, like even rooting out the black Aja, Varen gives her the names I feel like she kind of got like the short end of the stick. But she earned that, I think. She earned Varin's respect, uh, I, I would uh, add. Um, and also, even though the Black Aja made her or helped her to become Amelin in the first instance with the rebels, to keep that position, she had to work hard to, you know, bounce the, the two sides off against one another. So even that, she still had to earn with cunning uh, and, as you say, dedication. So she definitely deserved all of the achievements that she managed to attain. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to say, no, what are you talking about? She was lucky. Um, yeah. Gawain. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. I, I, she didn't deserve it. that. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I actually, I don't mind Gawain when I look at his age and the fact that he's been raised to be who he is. Like, you're the protector. You're the warrior. You're who's supposed to like look out for your sister. So like, it's all like ingrained in him, and he's like a teenage boy. So I'm like, yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Egwene's experience of Kyrian is basically like shaded corners with Gawain um, a bit of a kiss here a bit of a cuddle there I mean she didn't really take in the sights did she unless of course you mean Gawain <laughs> yeah just Gawain that was yeah. all <laughs> but that's a really but... uh, her experience of Kyrian is really out of character isn't it for the person I mean, she just became an extremely um, yeah, 
how would you say soppy uh, person in love completely overcome by emotion um and and lost all sense of purpose and who she is because everything became going and how to see him and kiss him or am i mistaken yeah. no i i don't know again like if you're looking at it as like they are teenagers then it tracks but if we go into like tv world i don't know how they're gonna do this i just i'm curious i'm excited to see maybe they'll make this relationship better that would be nice i would like that I would that like would be that. really nice like i wouldn't i wouldn't mind especially since we've aged up the characters I wouldn't mind them finding trust and commonality and whatnot together instead of this, like, whatever the heck it is that happens. I usually just flip past those sections real fast. Like, I know what happened. I don't really need anything more. I don't need to dig into it. I'm just like, all right, you guys, I get it. I mean, I've been stupid in love several times. You don't think right. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Of course you're not thinking right. Oh, I think she so cold. I think she actually does a fairly good job of like keeping her shit together all things considered. Like she's still walking by that like one weird house in Kyrian. Wait, are we talking about Kyrian or are we talking about a queen? Um Yeah, that's but, what I was thinking. Yeah, I just I'm sorry, I just felt like we might be like kind of dipping a little long into a Greenland. I actually really want to talk about like the succession for the Sun Throne stuff. Like <laughs> and all the scheming and shit that Amber's got kind of like typed out here. Okay. Let's let's kill some people. Let's L kill slightly, some people. Slightly different. <laughs> slightly different take on this one. So I just, I think the whole succession plotline for the Sun Throne and all the assassinations is just really cool and fun. Mm -hmm. But especially if you just look like into House Domadrid first and just how like wild their whole storyline mm -hmm. is. And it spans from this character that we know from the past, who's like not a real character King Layman, who mm -hmm. we just get a mention of his name really in the books, but so he cuts down the tree, yada yada yada. But his backstory leads to so many assassinations. So to thwart war with Andor, he marries his son to Terengale, who is the daughter heir of Andor. So Tigraine, Tigraine is yes, is the daughter heir. And she disappears, so, you know, she becomes Shiael. And then she er, and then Terengale marries the new queen of Andor, who is Morghese. And this is mostly just a political alliance, so that this helps her have claim to the Lion Throne. Mm -hmm. So... King Layman dies, and now here we've got this big problem because of the stipulation in the law. Terengale can't take the Sun Throne due to his marriage of the Queen of Andor. 
the White Tower tries to push more rain on the Sun Throne, but she just like pieces out of there and is like, nope. And she runs away from the tower. And then we have Galdrian of House Riotan taking the throne instead, who is the current King. monarch or mm-hmm. yeah, of Kyrian and like Wheel of Time main series, not mm-hmm. New Spring. So Galdrian takes the throne, and what does Terengale do? He still has his eye on a throne, so he plans to assassinate the queen and the mother of his children in an effort to become king of a nation. Mm-hmm. And this all leads to Tom. Like, and enter Tom Drill, Maryland. Mm-hmm. So he finds out Terengale, or he, sorry, he finds out that Morghese is about to get murdered. So he kills <laughs> Terengale. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Tom's lover, Dana, is killed by a Kyrianan. So he goes and gets Galdrian killed. And it is just like a massive, like head spinning. Oh, and there's more. There's more too. Because Moraine is also like the aunt to Galad, Elaine, and Gowan. How's that? How's that for Christmas Eve dinners and whatnot, or whatever holiday you want to celebrate? Like, it just kills me. Yeah, and his connection to Rand, who is the step, it would be like kind of like the stepson to the man that he murdered. Yes. Kind of. It's interesting that in the book, there's no sweet family reunion when Maureen returns, though. I mean, she she doesn't... Mm. She doesn't say anything to Morghese. She doesn't speak to Elaine or Galad or Gawain. Mm-mm. Nor does she speak to her own sister. Um, or is it her cousin? Sorry. Uh, Caroline. So it's it's interesting that she's... I mean, we talk about Egwene's focus, but Moiraine is, in the books, phenomenal. I feel as though Moiraine just doesn't really have room for anything else. Mm. Like... She doesn't strike me as being, like, super warm and cuddly. Like, I know I'm totally the kind of person who... I don't know if this should be, like, public knowledge or not. But, like, I love the people that I love that are, like, super close to me. But, like, extended family sometimes, I'm just like, meh. So, like, if I hadn't seen a cousin of mine, like, forever, I'd be like, how's it going? I'm sure we barely have anything in common. Have fun doing your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And yeah, that's that. So I, I, I think that for as often as family is a driver of certain things, I just don't think family on the, the cuddly connected, oh my God, it's so great to see you thing, like falls within like a Kyrian kind of mentality, if you will. But yeah, it's a good observation. I like that. There's only one other thing that I wanted to touch on and just like oh my gosh. another thing I'm really excited for, TV stuff. 
mm-hmm. is the Shido attack mm-hmm. on Kyrian because ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they'll do the Kool-Aid map battle? They have oh, to. Oh man, yeah. They have to. Because I mean, to. they're just. There are so many things that we've gotten that are like, this thing happened off book, and we're all like, dang it. And now we've gotten it in the TV show instead. So could this be like... I really hope so. I think it would be... I mean, when I think of like some of my favorite scenes in the first season, the Loghain Giladon flashback was probably one of my favorites absolutely it's really it was an off-screen moment from the books Mm -hmm. i just worry about how much time they will have if you know perhaps he will want to invent new plot lines that don't even exist in the books that's a possibility as well Mm -hmm. but i feel like it would be a mistake to leave that one out i'm also thinking of like the level of training required by like the actors like i don't know what kind of background donald finn has but it might take him a few years before he's ready to take on a battle like the one that he would potentially have hand-to-hand combat with cooladin i know the main cast has been training like with um what is it called? Quarter staff. Choreogra- choreographers oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. And nice. with weapons. Yeah. Like, since they were, like, brought on to the show, like, and they're in the gym all the time. So they haven't even fought yet. So, like, they're getting them They're getting them ready, ready. for that. Yeah. And even oh, the neat. main actress I've seen do some type of mixed martial arts on her Instagram story. So, like, it's possible we've gotten, that we will get, you know, men being somewhat of a fighter as well. So. I'm okay mm. with that. And what about okay Matt, Matt and the two brothers? Will he go, will he do his quarterstaff thingy with those two in, in the White Tower? I feel like is like, okay. So, I feel like you could choreograph that fight well enough without being incredibly, like, familiar with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if he just has to get, like, one good hit in, Mm -hmm. and then they're toast, right? So... (laughs) And he's not at full health. No. So, he doesn't even have to be, like, ultra-convincing, as right, like a court right. staff master. You know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like I want to see that scene. I really and, do. Yeah. That's another one where I'm like, if if they don't do it, I, I don't know. I'll probably like cry a little bit. But yeah. I'll be okay I, with it ultimately. They had the greatest war the greatest warder. warder. I can't speak. The greatest warder uh-huh. bonus content. So I feel like they are either like prepping us mm-hmm. for this fight 
or they did it because we won't get that fight. Those were so. my thoughts. <laughs> uh, well, would what would you the... like to see? Oh. I was going to say, ask, do you think they might do these fights as bonus material? I oh, hope I... not. No? I mean, all of the bonus episodes have seemed to be lore-based. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, I would like to see, like, King Layman, potentially, like, that be a lore video. But mm -hmm. Matt kicking the snot out of some little Nobles. lords yeah that's something that i want to see <laughs> me too me too snarky matt i want that yeah but they're gonna cut so much i i'm just not oh, yeah. sure that you know we're gonna get all of these I, I think they're maybe gonna make a choice okay matt against the boys or matt against kooladin um but probably not all of these things, uh, which is a shame, actually, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in some of the things that I think would be awesome to have a backstory for that are left unexplained, like potentially exploring why Varen, how she got to the Black Aja. Like, how was this something that she fell into and something like that, I think, is really interesting. I mean, like, it's just something really, like, juicy that I think all fans would be like, yes, yes, give us this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she's such a loved character, so it's hard. I understand why people don't love it when they introduce a non-book character and spend, you know, a lot of time with that but you know essentially i think the series is being made for non-book readers so mm. yeah uh, but and... there's so much good material in the book so give us a cool it in yeah and and Verin sedai i think she's going to be played by mira sayal if i remember correctly and she's just that's what a lot of people are guessing she's fantastic i have to say she I love would Varin be a too. good she would be a good Van Dean or not which one's the which one's the brown? Adelius? Adelia. Adelius. You know what? I even looked this up to like know which one was which and yeah, I Yeah, and last week I said the two brown sisters, which it's not two brown, it's one green, one brown. But mm. eh. They might as well both be brown, though. At least according to whichever one. one the brown sister is. <laughs> but one was, I was think it one black? In the end, isn't that the case? One is black or... Adelaus and Van Dien? Yeah. Isn't one of them black? Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. Not that I know of. Doesn't one kill the other or am I confusing the sisters? Ispen. Oh, the no. rescue. They were interrogating her. Okay. And who then. The, who were the two at the end who were there with Elaine? Um, and one of them is in mourning because her sister was killed. But actually, it was yeah. her that killed her sister. She didn't kill her sister? No. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know for sure. I would have to. I would have to look it up for sure. I will okay. write down. 
reaction. In fact, should I look right now? Sure. Delius, dead. Fandine's older sister. Tell me how she died. Fast forward. Okay, well, it doesn't say that she's... Maybe that was just my mind distorting reality. Black Aja or nothing like that. Okay. Now I have to check Van Dean. She's dead too. Green Aja. No. No. She wanted to track down the dark friend herself. Mm-hmm. But now I know, so. Because <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I just had this. Uh, they were just because uh, the while the Elaine was investigating is there were just a few suspicious elements that occurred so that just uh, the thought was always with me that she may have uh, killed her sister but yeah okay um, but yeah Kyrene mm. um, I, I I absolutely love Kyrene because it throws in the political intrigue of um, the kind of stuff that I I really like um, and I feel that all of the political intrigue in uh, the, the the wheel of time is almost centered around Kyrene obviously Kemlin too later on when the, the, there is a, when Elaine does her bit um, but I have a feeling if there is a choice between the two which of them they will focus more on would it be perhaps possible to say that Kyrene is more central to the story than and or yeah it depends how much they want to go into elaine's succession story i mean well and also the fact that like while it took king laman to cut down the tree it took uh tigraine leaving and becoming shail to become rand's mother so i mean they both play yeah a pretty crucial role in like getting... But they could show, I mean, I don't think they're going to show, they wouldn't need to show Andor to show Tigrain. Mm-hmm. Whereas you need it to show Elaine's story, but with Kyrian, like the Shido showing up is pretty important, I would say. I mean, they could get rid of it. They could. I don't know. I don't know. But Elaine's been cast already, hasn't she, for season two? So I have a feeling that that they're really going into the Elaine bit. But it's also very possible that they start her story of her like showing up at the White Tower. So That's what I expect. To we find don't her. have to, yeah. So we don't even have to see Andor or Caimlin. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna ask. I mean, Rafe seems to be. A little bit more down to earth in some of the ways that he presents the storylines than than Robert Jordan was. So, as in, a lot of people are really vexed about like P- Perrin's uh, character development as to why he's such a moody git all of the time in the story. Um, so, whereas Rafe gave him this really wow, okay, I can't believe he, he killed his wife. Yeah, of course that's going to have an effect on your mood. Um, but also later on, I think they're really going to get rid of this the court case with uh, where Morgas acts as judge. I think that might be completely removed um, because Hopper didn't die. So and he didn't go crazy killing all of these white cloaks. So th- would there be a need for that that storyline? 
so therefore they may really change all of these all of these things where perhaps you know and or or the queen of queens isn't so prominent i don't know so that like they would be more of a background player in the tv series than what yeah. they are in the books kind of deal yeah yeah I honestly don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't. I, I'm i hoping that there's a lot of focus on the Shanchan, truthfully, mm. and the White Tower. It's kind of what I want. So, For season two. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But I also, like... I do love more gays, though. I mean, I think she's important because... She's one of these strong women who doesn't have, she's not an Aes Sedai. She's mm -hmm. not, you know, she gets beat down and keeps mm -hmm. getting back up. And I think that makes her a cool character. But killing her off, that would make me sad. Same. So we are approaching our two hour mark for recording. And that is about as long as I like our recordings to go for editing purposes. So before we like wrap anything up, how do we wanna how do we wanna wrap it up? We can wrap it up like this. Like this? Is <laughs> yeah. that good for you too, Zach? Yeah. I wanna yeah, I definitely wanna just give Zach though a shout out and tell our listeners to go listen to his podcast because it's really good. Agreed, agreed. And thank you again for being a guest with us today. Super appreciate it. Yeah, I, I appreciate thank you. I appreciate every opportunity to talk with you. So um oh, I, I find you both you know wonderfully knowledgeable, um and also really good sports. You know, so <laughs> Yeah, I throw my random crap at you and you just sit there catching it and throwing it back in this delightful manner. And it's uh, it's a real pleasure for me. So I truly appreciate it. Oh, that's it. so nice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we'll come back again, please. And next week we're back to the Great Hunt and we're hopping into, of all places, Kyrian. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you then. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.